You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Uh, I'd like to see more people saved, uh, but we're seeing people get saved around here, and it's such a blessing. Uh, but it just dawned on me, this is the first person saved that I know of uh, in this year, because uh, that I know of. But anyway, so uh, a young lady by the name of Ty Ann, uh, she's uh, come several times, but uh, she's a friend of Mackenzie Banks, but um, she came on Sunday, and Mackenzie came and was going to give her a Bible, and there's a whole kind of cool story associated with that. But uh, long story short, Mackenzie started witnessing to her and asking her about knowing the Lord and whatever. And uh, well, Ty Ann realized she needed to be saved. And so while we're back there talking and talking budget and finances and all that, Mackenzie's sitting up here uh, leading Ty Ann to the Lord. And Ty Ann accepted Christ on Sunday. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Isn't that good? Um, yeah. Uh, yes, absolutely. Praise the Lord. So. And, uh, but then it just reminded me of something when I was, because Mackenzie, uh, we talked a little bit that afternoon, and it reminded me of a great, great lesson. Uh, this is why I didn't share it in praises, and, and I wanted to share it now instead, because I, I heard many, many years ago about this really novel idea, this really novel but effective idea. You ready for it? Witness to people in church. Witness to people at church. And I remember hearing that probably 25 years ago, and, and I made it a practice, and, and I've led people to the Lord at church, yeah, of all places. Uh, can you imagine witnessing to somebody at church or leading somebody to the Lord at church? Um, and I kind of say that a little tongue-in-cheek because it kind of makes sense. And if you think about it, why are people coming here in the first place? Well, maybe the Lord's working on their hearts. And, uh, and so I started kind of doing that. Hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you. And if, the, if you go a little bit further than that, then it's, uh, uh, well, hey, well, how'd you hear about the church? Well, you know, this and that. Well, and if they, well, what, do you know the Lord? Have you accepted Christ as your Savior before? Uh, well, uh, no, but, uh, but I'm, I'm curious. Well, here, I can tell you how right now. Uh, so it's, it's, it's just a, it's a thing that ought to be a lot more common and a lot more common sense but for whatever reason, we don't always think of it that way. Witness to people at church. And that's what Mackenzie was doing on Sunday. And uh, so praise the Lord for that. Anyway, all right. Well, we've been preaching about vision. And of course, this whole month has kind of been uh, emphasizing vision as we start into the new year. We're talking about making a difference in 2024. And the vision continues. And, and you'll see my thought here as we look in Matthew 28, where Jesus said in verse 18, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And this is a beautiful promise. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And so when I think about this vision that we see here in the Great Commission, I've been thinking about the fact that I've been preaching on vision, but I'd like to put in a little distinction tonight of these three aspects that we've been kind of dealing with. We started off by looking at God's eternal vision. In other words, uh, what's God's big idea, His big plan? 
Uh, where is it revealed? And of course that's in God's Word. And, and it's one of the beautiful things about reading through the Bible. I, I love how the Bible is presented in, a, in narrative form. God tells stories. And throughout the Bible there's a story and the stories of redemption. He's telling a story of redemption. He's talking about the fall of man, but yet his pursuit, his relentless loving pursuit of man. And so there's God's vision to reach the world and then to use those that he reaches, reach people, reach men and women, boys and girls, and then to work through those men, women, boys and girls to reach other people. So God's eternal vision uh, but then we've also been talking about God's vision for Elk Point Baptist Church. What's God's vision for His church in Elk Point? That's really one of the things we've been emphasizing. And then along with that is God's vision for your life. His work in you to make you effective for His kingdom. So God's vision in your life and for your life. You've got a purpose. And, and I, want, I do want to encourage you before we finish this series more along the lines of living on purpose and living with the vision, living with that God, uh, God-given scripture, uh, scripturally accurate vision for your life. And and I just I want to be super clear as we deal with these things and, and clarity. Um, when we think about the Great Commission tonight, it says, "Go ye." The, 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 what Jesus is saying there, this is an enduring commission. He told his disciples, his apostles, this great commission, go ye therefore and teach all nations. And now you combine that with Mark 16 and you can get an idea what's going on there. In Mark 16, Jesus said, preach the gospel to every creature. The idea about teaching right there is giving truth, giving enlightenment. In other words, letting people know that Jesus Christ died on the cross, why He came, their condition. Jesus is the answer. Teach them. Let them get this in their hearts and in their minds. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. The result, we know that baptism is follow salvation. So the idea is you're going to give the gospel to people, they're going to get saved. Now that doesn't mean everybody you give the gospel to is going to be saved. But a lot of them are. Amen. Uh, and so he said, therefore, with those that are, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Now, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So teaching. And of course, that's the emphasis there. There's the, the principles that we have throughout the Bible and sometimes things are stated in different ways, but the fact of them teaching them and telling them about the life that they can have in Jesus Christ, well, that's the portion that we emphasize when Jesus said, I've come that they might have life. But then the discipleship part is teaching them to observe all things. And that's the abundant life part, partaking. So the, this vision of God's is summarized in the Great Commission. This vision is exemplified in the book of Acts. Of course, Acts begins in verse 1 by saying, All that Jesus began both to do and to teach. He started His earthly ministry, and He began that, but He wasn't through, and He's still not through. So, the vision is summarized in the Great Commission. It's exemplified in Acts. We see the example of the vision being executed. There's also an example throughout the book of Acts of the vision being effective. 
Because what did they do? They waited, first of all, for the power of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit of God. And then once they were indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, which all believers are today, once they were indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, they began to do what Jesus said. They began to teach people. They begin to evangelize. They begin to preach to all nations and tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ and His work on the cross. We see that the church was established. We see that the church was expanded. We see that the church was opposed. Like the forces of evil, the government came down on the church. We see that, uh, th that, that it was opposed, but we also see that the church overcame. And God's work overcame. So the vision is summarized in the Great Commission. It's exemplified in the book of Acts. It's amplified in the epistles. It's interesting when we think about the epistles. You know, Acts is descriptive. You ever think about that? Acts is descriptive. Acts doesn't really take time. There's principles that we can teach in Acts. But Acts never gets to a point to where it's stopping and saying, like Romans would, explaining, okay, here's what this is, here's why, and breaking it down. It just tells you what's going on. It's, it's, it records the history. It's, it's uh, descriptive. But the epistles are prescriptive. We talk about that for, from time to time, what's descriptive, what's prescriptive. But the epistles are prescriptive. Acts records and describes the history. The epistles comprehensively teach us how and why in great detail. The title of the message tonight is The Vision Continues. Because from the time that Jesus gave the Great Commission in the Gospels, through the book of Acts, through the epistles, to now. So, the vision is extended at Elk Point Baptist Church. You believe that? I hope you do. Uh, you're here, and if, you don't, if you're here and you don't believe that, you might be wasting your time being here if we are not trying to continue what started with the Lord Jesus Christ there at the Great Commission. Because that's the whole point of the church. So I begin to think about this clarity. Where does our long-term vision fit into the Great Commission? You know, to begin with, and this will be a, a little bit in the way of testimony, but I was thinking about the fact that to begin with, the, the reason that any of us are in this place right now is because we obeyed at some point in our lives the call of God. And if you're here and you're not saved, listen, you may not realize it, but God is calling you. God is drawing you. God is leading you to Himself. And if you don't know the Lord tonight, uh, again, I, I'd, I'd love to introduce you to Him. I'd love for you to know Him tonight because it's His will. But I think about this. Um, the reason this church here is technically here today is because there was a man by the name of James Ellis at one point that obeyed the call. James Ellis, you don't hear me use that name very often, but he's the man that started Harvest Baptist Church in Bessemer City, North Carolina. That's the church that I walked into during a funeral one day, heard the gospel, uh, and was later and later trusted Christ. And so, uh, but so, so that started, but, but that church didn't start with him. There was somebody else that had fulfilled the Great Commission before him. There was those that responded to God's call. And so God allowed for a church to be established but it's cool to me, and I'm not emphasizing succession here or anything, but it's just interesting to me that we can all trace back to the fact that Jesus told the disciples to go into all the world. 
And that's why we're here today. That's why any of you that, that are saved, whether you were saved here, whether you were saved someone else, you're saved because somewhere along the line, somebody obeyed the Great Commission. Somebody was continuing this vision. And, you know, I think about, you know, for myself and the, the, it was cool. I was just up here. It might have just been today. I don't know if it was today or yesterday that uh, I was up here and I, I, come up by, I come up into the pulpit for some reason. And as I was up here, I was reminded as I walked up here, not long after I was saved as a teenager, that I walked in t uh, after we, I was in a big conference. Uh, and, and so there was just, you know, dozens of preachers at this meeting that were uh, preaching. And man, I just loved it. Sit up on the front row, just eating it up. Uh, well, they broke for lunch. And when they broke for lunch, me and a couple other teenagers kind of hung behind. And I remember we made our way up to the platform area. And I remember walking up behind the pulpit like this. And it's just like, whew, man, no way, <laughs> no way. You know, wouldn't that be something? But the whole time God knew that he had a plan for my life. And, you know, the Lord uh, laid upon, my, number one, the Lord called me to preach. And I, I do believe in that calling. Uh, God called me to preach the Word of God. And uh, that was before me and Melanie ever even got married. We got married shortly after that. But eventually the Lord worked in my heart to come to South Dakota. So the vision continuing. Since the day that we've been here, what did, what, what did we start doing as a church? And what have we been doing ever since that point? We began to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We began to teach whoever would listen to tell them the gospel, to preach the gospel. We try not to let a service go by to where we're not making sure we're preaching the gospel at some point. We may be preaching on giving, financial giving, giving and tithing, but before it's over with, we're going to get down there and we're going to say, thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift, because Jesus loved you so much that He paid the price for your sin, because the gospel, and, 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 and the gospel uh, has to be and stay the center of all that we do, the way we live, the way we do ministry, the gospel. Um, so we've been preaching the gospel, we've been baptizing, and trying to make disciples from the first day we were here until this day, preaching the gospel, baptizing, making disciples. That's the goal. We also continually to, and so since we've gone on, we just keep looking for ways to do this more effectively. Uh, you know, to with a greater impact, you know, seeing, seeing more people uh, hear the gospel, more people discipled, more people getting saved by the grace of God. That is the goal. And as a church, it's always important that we keep the main thing the main thing. Right? And the main thing is fulfilling the gospel, fulfilling that call that God has placed and given that's been passed down from the very beginning. That is what it is. So it's always fair. I say this because, uh, you know, I'm just trying to be, I'm, I'm looking to, to reflect some clarity especially as we go into our Vision Sunday and annual meeting, that it's always fair to ask, how does what we're doing fit into the main thing? Right. That's, a, that's always a fair question. What are we doing? How does that fit into the main thing? And it's important that this is reflected in our stewardship that we're investing in souls being saved by the grace of God. And 
and, 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 and I actually, what I actually started doing is I was like looking at our budget categories and started going through and thinking, okay, how do these reflect the gospel? The very first place that was reflected was uh, minister or preacher salary and all that fun stuff to deal with. But there was a time a few years ago that the church made the decision to say, you know what, we think it would be a greater investment in the gospel. We think there's the opportunity for more people to hear the gospel, for more people to be discipled if we were to pay the pastor a full-time salary. And so that was the decision that the church made. Since then, we've added, uh, you know, uh, Ryan for a certain, uh, for, uh, you know, we don't exactly do uh, hours, but, you know, for a good 30 hours or so, sometimes more a week uh, is the goal there. And, and currently, by the way, you know, uh, as many of you know, Ryan's had this great opportunity to, uh, the, the church was paying Ryan to where he still needed to work some, right? Uh, this is his full time. This is his main thing. Still needed to work some. And so we were talking about it, praying about it. Man, we think it'd be awesome if you could work in the school rather than Menards because that'd be a great opportunity to, to be around the young people, be in the community and so forth. And since that time, it's been a little bit of a, uh, you know, an adjustment because we didn't know exactly what that was going to look like. Recently, that's been a lot more than what uh, we thought it would look like. But, but we're getting through all that. Right now, but the point is, is that's just a further investment into more people hearing the gospel, more people having the opportunity to be discipled, that it goes more into the work. Uh, I thought about this, purchasing this building, purchasing this building. Folks, the church is not a monument, and it's important that we never try to make the church a monument. The church is a movement. The church is a movement. Uh, it's not a monument, but we happen to live within a culture, within our culture especially, to where uh, a building is very beneficial to have uh, in our culture in order to do what? Gather together, preach the gospel, and make disciples. It's very effective for that. And, and even the money that we put within the church, I believe all of that reflects the glory of God. It, reflect, it reflects the seriousness of our purpose. Uh, I don't know about you, but if I go someplace, I don't know, I just imagine going to, if I go to the doctor and it's a dump, I've got questions about what's going on there. I do. Like, how much does this matter to these people? But I believe that as we gather here for, number one, we gather here to worship the Lord, to glorify the Lord. And that in and of itself is a, is a great testimony and witness to the Lord. But the fact that we uh, try to make things as nice as possible uh, in the course of that, we've been able to make it really nice. But if we weren't able to make it this nice, we could just keep it clean and nice, right? Whatever the case may be. But the point is, there would be no reason, you know, what, it, I don't think it would make sense for, you know, because some churches this kind of stuff happens to where you see stuff in the church and you're like, there's probably nobody in this church that would be okay if their house was like this, you know? But why is it okay for the place that we gather to worship God and the place where we gather to say we represent the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ not to be nice? Um, but so even, even in that, it's got to be an investment. That, that, can get out, that can get out of whack. Solomon built the temple, and this ain't the temple. God doesn't dwell here. He dwells in us. If you ever hear me talking about the temple being nice, I'm talking about principles, okay? I am not saying this is the temple. We're not Old Testament. 
I'm just using the principle that it glorified God. But then Solomon got out of whack. And he started getting all into this other stuff. And all of a sudden God wasn't glorified and the nation was divided. So therefore, that's why I go back again. It's always fair to ask, how does this fit into the main thing? To make sure it does fit into the main thing. Uh, when you think about the investment into the gospel, when you think about the money that we spend, that the purpose of that being the gospel, people hearing the gospel, people growing in the gospel, that can get expensive. But here's a question I, I want you to, we got to always keep in mind if what we're doing is leading to this. When that young lady sat up here on Sunday and accepted Christ as her Savior, what is the value of one soul? The scripture kind of gives you an idea. It doesn't say exactly what the price of one soul is, but it kind of gives an idea. Basically, it's when Jesus said, What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And basically, he's given the indication that one soul is worth more than the whole world. So, the fact that we're still seeing souls saved by the grace of God, man, it just makes it worth it. Because, again, that's the investment. Souls being saved. And here's the cool thing. Discipleship. It wasn't me up here leading someone to Christ. It was, one, it was another young lady up here leading another young lady to Christ. Right? Uh, I mean, it's just because that, that's, that's the way it's supposed to go. Um, but this is the cool thing. It, it, it can get expensive. But you want to know something? A lot of the gospel, a lot of the work of Christ doesn't always have to cost money. How much money does it cost you to witness to somebody? That's everyone, as a Christian, every one of us ought to be sharing the gospel with somebody. You know, we, we, got, a, we got a surplus of gospel tracts or of even church invites that have the gospel on the back of them. Those cost something, but we've got a surplus. Uh, you know, they cost, you know, maybe 10 cents a piece, some of them. Uh, but the point is, how much does it cost you to, see, we can fulfill our mission here. A lot of it don't cost anything. You share the gospel. You don't build the church for that, do you? Hey, pastor, I wrote down to, uh, you know, right? It's like, no, I, well, that's just what we do. We share the gospel. Uh, we, we can disciple people. How do you do that? Spend time with them. Now, I believe in, you know, uh, I'll, I'll point this out again. We've got, I've got a box of these books that are discipleship books. And, and they're good. They're for like a discipleship class, which I believe in discipleship class. But some people mistake discipleship class for discipleship. Discipleship class is a part of discipleship, but discipleship happens when you're together. Jesus' discipleship of his disciples was walking through the fields talking about the flowers. It was Paul spending time, it's eating a meal with somebody. And that's something that each of us that are saved by God's grace should pray about and have the goal of is I want to lead somebody, I want to share the gospel and lead, Christ, lead someone to Christ because that's our job. No matter what your other job, no matter the other way you may serve, the main thing is sharing the gospel with other people and then taking time with those people. You don't have to know everything, but, um, but, but I thought about this, church planting. Church planting is at the core of the Great Commission. What happened in the book of Acts? Churches were started. 
Churches were started. Church planting is at the core of the Great Commission. I have a heart for church planting. Because if I didn't have a heart for church planting, I don't believe I'd have a heart for the Great Commission. And church planting, and if you don't know what that is, you know, again, the idea of a ch planting a church, if you're saying, how do you plant a church? Where do you get the seeds for that and so forth? All right. But, but it's, it's the terminology just meaning that, just like the Lord allowed us to do, I think it'll be 13 years ago this year, we came and, uh, you know, and I tell you, man, I just, I still just, I marvel at God's goodness. Uh, number one, that He could use somebody like me. And, um, and if I knew you better, I might be pretty amazed that he could use somebody like you too. I don't know. But I marvel that he could use somebody like me. But I can just remember being in Elk, coming to Elk Point with the purpose of trying to start something in Vermilion and then have a Bible study in Elk Point. The Lord just kind of changed things around. He shut the door in Vermilion. And I can remember one morning coming back from playing uh, uh, morning basketball uh, that I rode past uh, the strip mall up here. That, and there was in the strip mall there was one of the stores that used to be Gracie's Consignment. But instead in the window it said for lease. And I thought it just was different. You know you see stuff for lease all the time. There's just a little nudge. I called up Tim daily and said, hey, uh, and man, just things started rolling. Next thing you know, we're renting that building, that renting that space, and you know, passing out flyers and making plans. And Tim's building us a little platform up there at the church, or at, you know what became the church, the little storefront strip mall. And God just began to work in that. Uh, so the idea of planting a church is that that's what we did. I went to when I went to Pier, I planted a church in Pier. Uh, you want to know where we started at? It's an interesting place. We started in a Seventh Day Adventist. They don't worship on Sunday, so you got the place to yourself, you know. Um, but now we didn't have the church. We just used their, we used their gym and a little side room off of their gym. But we weren't there for very long until the Lord provided a building there as well. And a heart for church planting. Um, the fact that our church is reaching into three states right now, you know, physically reaching into three states, not to mention whatever we may be able to do online, um, Nebraska, South Dakota, and Iowa gives us a great opportunity to reach more communities. Um, one, of my heart, one of my plans and one of the things I've had in works for a while is hosting small groups, connection groups, Bible studies in some of these areas. I've been in talks, and we started talking a little bit again today. One, one of our families that drives up from Nebraska, we have at least about five that drive over from Nebraska in the same general area. We were talking again today about starting a Bible study down there. Now, what's that got to do with church planting? Well, I'll tell you, uh, it's similar to where when, when, I, when I moved here, uh, and, and was doing, you know, the church here. We were over in the storefront. I think this before I even knew the windows, probably. But I can remember uh, driving over to Akron uh, because I heard about the Baptist church. I wasn't sure how they was doing. I'd preached a funeral there a time or two. But I remember I pulled up in front of that, that building. I don't know if I ever told you about this or not, Wendells. But I pulled up in front of that building, and I said, God, give us this building. Give us this building. Lord, we want to we do something in Akron. And so, I never, I've, I've probably told y'all some of this, but it's, I don't, as much as I talk, I don't always communicate. <laughs> but I went to, to, I went to Akron and, uh, and 
found out that there was a little space to meet, uh, to have a free space, a community room that we could have Bible study in. And uh, man, I'm trying to organize this, get, get this Bible study stuff together. And I've got this room that we can use for free, the community room in Akron. And uh, but, but Michael was, you know, our assistant pastor, youth pastor at that time. He's coming along with me. And Michael's never going to leave these kids. Never going to leave these kids. No way ever. But he's coming along with me uh, to just help out in any way he can. And as time started going on through that process, I said, well, Michael, I said, would you want to help me with the Bible study? We're going to try to do it on Saturdays. Would you want to help me with the Bible study? Yeah, I, I think I'd like to help out. And pretty soon he's like, well... One thing led to another, and uh, you want to hear a funny one? And then I said, well, what if you do the Bible study, then I'll just handle all the organizing part. <laughs> do, 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 right? Uh, but by the time we had the first Bible study, it wasn't no we having the first Bible study. It was somebody from this church yes. who got, God touched their heart, but it all started because of a heart for church planting. I mean, the Lord laid it on my heart. And it really wasn't my work to do. But then God allowed Michael, and one thing led to another, and with Pastor Larry and the different things that happened there, you know, Michael walks in there uh, to uh, First Akron First Baptist, and first service, I think it was like maybe somewhere between 8 and 12 people. I think that 12 people, and four of them were deacons and their wives. Um, and, but but that, that's kind of what they had. But it was a, what, a year from that, I think we went over there for a service where there's like 170 people there, right? And they consistently, they're being, seeing people saved, and, 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 and they're up over 100. They, they're, 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 they're making plans to perhaps build a new building uh, on one of their big lots is one of the things they're praying about over there. It's just an exciting thing. Now, is that what's going to happen in Nebraska? Is that, what, is that what's going to happen, you know, in Sioux City, maybe out toward Mobile area? Uh, I don't know, but, 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 but I do know that I have a heart for starting some Bible studies there like we did in Akron and just see how the Lord worked. By the way, you want to guess how much money that cost? How much money that cost to get all that going over there and get Michael established over there and all that going over there every week? Nothing. A little bit of printer paper for the Bible studies because somebody says, well, but we, we need to be spending money. Well, you don't have to spend money. We went and got a free space and we just invested time. See, and I think we've got to take that into account. What are we spending on time? Because if you've got somebody going over there every week, studying every week, you, you're investing, but it's not costing anything. And uh, now it may cost to go somewhere else eventually, but it what, didn't even cost anything. Souls continue to be saved. Christians continue to be discipled. And this year I want to expand our discipleship efforts uh, by having people going through a time of learning, then sharing that with someone else. You know, I was, I was talking about this book. My goal is to have people, and we've had, we, by the way, we have this going on. Uh, it's, it's a little intermittent from time to time. But my goal is that I would sit, uh, and where's Blake tonight? But that I would sit and go through the Blake, are you watching? I would sit and go through this book with Blake. And then the idea when you get down to the end of the book, all right, Blake, now you go through it with somebody else. Right? That's the goal. He said, oh, I don't know if I can do it. Sure you can. Uh, I don't know everything. You think I do? The answers are in the back. <laughs> I don't tell nobody. But um, I know a lot more uh, when I know that. 
But if you're concerned about discipleship, hey, you concerned about discipleship? Disciple somebody. Right? Learn something. You say, I don't know a lot. Well, learn, learn enough. And if you don't know enough, I mean, man, again, that's got to be the, that's, that's an emphasis. But we've got people discipling people here. It's an active thing. It's been something we've done from the very beginning. Uh, all right. Um, oh, this is the thing. This has been something that, uh, and I know this is a little bit different tonight, as you can tell, but for the sake of clarity, especially where we are, uh, Lord, the Lord's been blessed in the church, hasn't He? And again, I think about this as far as the emphasis of our church, okay? Uh, we are not here trying to see how many people we can get here. There are other ways to go about that. There's a lot more things that we could change if the goal was to get people, get just numbers here, and then to rejoice in the amount of people that we had coming. Um, the, the goal, ultimate goal, is not to build a crowd. The ultimate goal is to build disciples. That's the ultimate goal. But now here's the great thing. There is a crowd, but it's not because we're trying to be, you know, because some ministries, they're so, they, they get so out of whack a crowd is great because if you have a crowd and you preach the gospel, you get to preach the gospel to more people. That's good. That's wonderful. But what happens is if the, if, if, if the crowd doesn't want the gospel, sometimes the people will quit preaching the gospel because that doesn't draw the crowds in. They'll quit preaching the word because that doesn't draw the crowds in. Um, and the crowd becomes the thing. It's okay if God brings a crowd. But the point is, is that we're here to build disciples, not a crowd. The point, however, we have had some crowds here. <laughs> I mean, the Lord's blessed. Uh, and, and, and I tell you this, uh, you know, I know that it's, it's not always comfortable. Growth is not always comfortable. Change is not always comfortable. There's growing pains. You know, I heard the thing about change is that, that nobody likes change. And then nobody likes things to say the same either. <laughs> you know, it's almost like you, you just sometimes you can't win. But there's change, there's growth. And, but we've seen that because our, our church approach isn't being attractional primarily, it's being missional. And there's nothing wrong with being attractive, but it's being missional. We're on a mission. Um, and so when I think about that, I think about the numbers. We, uh, we broke a record for the church this year, and it was on Christmas, you know, so it's a little caveat there uh, on, on the Chris, during the Christmas program. But we had over 200 people here on that Sunday that we had that Christmas program. Uh, you know, we, uh, th that's pretty awesome, isn't it? Uh, I mean, uh, I, I, the, the numbers continue to grow. And on a, uh, it's not uncommon to have 150 people in a service. It's normally a little bit under that. But what you think about is if everybody who comes to this church all decided to come on the same Sunday, you're probably going to have about 200 people sitting in this church. That's exciting. That's good. That's wonderful. And there's problems that come along with that. They're good problems, but there's challenges that come along with that. Um, so... The question has come up, come up about what are we going to do to accommodate this growth that we've had? What are we going to do to accommodate that? Uh, you know, do we need to build? Do we need to add on? What do we need to do? I've been thinking and praying about this for uh, at least a year and a half or two. And I know it's been more than a year and a half, but 
the, I believe my recommendation, my vision is the very first thing that we would do before we went to building would be to go to two services. All right? Uh, now, this is something that if that's the way we decide to go, it's something that we would do intentionally and strategically. Some people can panic when they hear two services. You know, especially if you're one of the workers in the church. But I want you to know that everything's on the table. One of the things I thought about specifically is that if we did do two services, one thing that we would just not be able to do, we would not be able to do junior church for two services. We just don't have the workers to do junior church for two services. Uh, but we could do it for one service. There's, there's, there's things, there's adjustments. And I'm not announcing here that we're going to two services. I'm not doing that. But I'm just saying about as far as my vision about accommodating the growth, what is it? That would be the answer to me. And then there's, I would talk to you guys Talk to leadership about how we kind of uh, make that work if the Lord leads that way. Now, according to research, just so you know, that really we're a little bit past due. And this is something I've known, again, going back for about a couple of years. But the rule of thumb is once your building reaches 80% capacity, you need to go to two services. That's the general thumb. I don't have chapter and verse on it, okay? But I'm just saying that's the rule of thumb. And we've been over 80% for a while. Of course, parking is our main issue, which is another conversation. But I want you to think about something because I know some, because I, I, we've talked about it. I've talked about it with some of you. And two services, I might as well just said something about your mama. Right? I mean, it's just like offensive to people. Uh, it's offensive to people. But do you know something? The church has always had to adapt. I know about a church. I know of a church that on one Sunday, they had 120 people, just like a pretty common Sunday for us. The next Sunday, they had 3,120. <laughs> you talk about not knowing people. You talk about not feeling as friendly anymore. We went from 3,000, from 120 to 3,000. Right? I mean, now what does this mean? This means that the church, I, I want you to know something. It started off, think about it, a church that was 120 people all in the same room. All in the same room. It's so nice, and I bet it was. But I promise you one thing, there were not 3,000 people in that same room the next week. You know where 3,000 people were at? Probably in a few hundred different locations. Probably at a few different hundred times. The Lord added unto the church. The Lord added unto the church such, uh, such as should be saved. I mean, you, I don't even know everybody's name anymore. Imagine that. You're trying to remember 3,000 names. Chad's good with names. You want me to tell you a secret of Chad knowing names? Everybody knows that Chad's good with names? He's not good with names. You know what Chad does? He meets Shane. He didn't need to do this with Shane, but he, he, he meets you, and then he goes and says, oh, Shane, nice to meet you. He goes back. He's got a little piece of paper in front of his Bible. Shane, funny guy with glasses, you know, whatever. <laughs> Makes a little note. Uh, I'm just kidding. I don't do that. Um, 
Can you imagine what Chad's paper would have looked like after that second Sunday? What's your name? What's your name? What's your name? 3,000 people. Well, whose fault is that? Well, the Lord added to the church. Right? I mean, again, we are not trying to build crowds here. We're just trying to preach the gospel. Now, I want to see as many people saved as, as can be saved. Yeah, but you know, then, then what? Then what? Well, I just won't be as comfortable. Oh, that's awful. You know, because we know the main thing is you being comfortable, and, and we like being comfortable. I like being comfortable. But I'm telling you, listen, I'm, you know, this is, this actually, what we're talking about actually happened. I mean, that could not have been easy. Remember, don't think that just because these people lived in the first century, they weren't you. They were still people. And I don't know, but you, this had to be a great challenge for, because I say this, it will be a challenge for us. It could not have been easy for them. And it's not going to be easy for us. It's going to be hard sometimes. But what I'm telling you today is it's worth it. It's worth the investment. It's worth the uncomfortableness to make, to, to just let God work through our lives and to see people come to Christ. And so, uh, to bring glory to God. And so, as we think about God's continuing mission, that's me trying to communicate my vision for where we're, where we're at, where we're going, um, you know, what's the plans from the church planning aspect, from the two service aspect to whatever else it may be. Um, the fact is, I just want to do the work of God. And I don't want to say, um, you know, just again, go back to the, the, the two service thing again, just, just the argument for that. And again, things would have to change. We'd have to work stuff around. There's no question about it. We did a dry run last Easter. Uh, but, but, but things would have to change if that's the way that we decide to go. But I started thinking about this. What are the alternatives? What are the alternatives? Because ultimately it's we're, we're, and I believe we're getting where we are now, close to where we were when we were in the storefront, to where people would come to church and have to leave because there was no place for them, there was no room. We have room in here. But you'd, it'd be hard for you to convince me that there haven't been people on certain Sundays that haven't drove up this road, cars parked along the road, cars parked up to the stop sign, pull, drive through the parking lot all the way full, It'd be hard to convince me that there hadn't been some people that have just kept on going. Yeah, they have. But we're comfortable, right? Like, what's the priority? I mean, and, and that's just what breaks my heart. Uh, I want what God wants. If it would have been God's will, listen, if it would have been God's will for this church to stay at 20 until Jesus comes, great. We, we had a blast. We, we were having a blast, weren't we? But if God says, oh, no, 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 there's way too many lost people there. There's way too many broken people there. No, I've got too many souls to save. And, to save and no, no, we, it's got, we're going to have to make it bigger. God's going to add to the church. That's what I want. I want whatever God wants. I'm content with whatever God wants. But the way it's going, there does have to be, I believe, some changes. And um, so um, that's my vision. That's my heart. The continuing vision. And I'll say this as we all stand and get ready to dismiss. I appreciate your patience. I went on forever. 
But I want to just say that if you're here today and you don't know Christ as Savior, talk about a vision. Can, can you imagine that, that, the, that Jesus loves you? That Jesus actually went to the cross for you? He died on the cross because the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But Jesus came to pay the price for that sin. The price is death. The price is eternal separation. There's a heaven, there's a hell, there's nothing else. And without your sins being forgiven, you can't enter into heaven. But Jesus paid the price for your sins. That if you'll just turn from your sins today, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, trust that what He did on the cross and in the resurrection paid for your sins, you could be saved by the grace of God. It's such wonderful news. He has a great vision. His purpose for your life is, for number one, for you to be saved. Number two, for you to live the abundant life, for you to grow in Him and find your purpose for being on this earth. Let's pray. Father, I thank You so much for the privilege of being here. God, and I pray if there's anybody here tonight that doesn't know You as Savior, that even now, dear Lord, from their hearts, they would, they would bow their hearts before You and humble themselves and admit to You right now as we pray together, Dear Lord Jesus, I admit to you today, God, I, I, I know that I'm a sinner. And Lord, right now, I want you to forgive me of my sins. And I pray that you'll come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Lord, I believe on you. I believe that what you did on the cross, I believe that you rose again the third day. And I believe that is what it takes to get to heaven. I trust in you today, Jesus. And I commit my life to you. I know you've got a plan for me. And Lord, I pray for us as a church. Lord, I am a just another man up here uh, leading this church, dear Lord. I'm a, just a flawed human being. But God, I thank you that you've put me in this place, dear God. I'm glad that you've called me to this place. And I'm glad you've called me to this place with the others that you've called to this place. And I just pray that you would give us wisdom, dear Lord. Um, give us wisdom as we go forward. And I'm glad that we're a body, and I'm glad that you can work through all of us to help us reach your will and your decision, Lord. And we got your word, we've got your spirit to guide us, and we thank you for that, dear Lord. And so just help us to follow your will, make a way, help us to trust you, help us to live by faith, walk by faith and not by sight. Help us to stay on task, Lord, and we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.